Welcome to another episode of the Bob Hooper Fitness Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. We have a little bit of a Q&A style podcast today. Um, one thing that we've, we've been implementing in our uh, one-on-one online coaching is we're going to start doing a monthly live Q&A where it's pretty cool because all the clients kind of gather together. Some people ask questions uh, and then we go over a we go over the answers and kind of have a little discussion like on a live uh, Zoom call and um, it, it's pretty badass and, and the first one went really well and there's some good questions here that I'm like, well, hey, maybe I can share some of these on the podcast um, because we I got some really, really good feedback from this live Q&A. So um, yeah, without further ado, um, let's kind of dive in here because I don't want to take up too much time because I want to make sure I can get through all of these uh, questions here. So the first question is basically like how the benefits of building muscle, but the problem with gaining body fat, like how do you gain muscle? Like how do you get toned, right? Um, the person basically asked like, what if you want a lean defined body, like a ballet dancer, not a big booty, etc. just a strong defined muscles with little fat over the top. Um, and this was a great question again, like, um, I think this was my, my client Gail, shout out Gail. And it's a great question because on the surface, when, when you think of gaining muscle, I think one of the first things people think of is gaining body fat. When when you talk about a calorie surplus and it goes against the grain of a lot of the things we talk about. Because in culture today, and what you see a lot on social media, you see a lot of calorie deficit, calorie deficit, calorie deficit, getting leaner, getting leaner, losing body fat, etc. And especially if you've come from a place of being in that dieting mindset, reversing up to eating more and purposefully putting on some weight is almost like a total mindfuck right? Because it goes against everything you've kind of ingrained in your brain, right? So on the surface, it almost like doesn't make sense in a way. And I totally get it because it can be scary because especially again, if you lost a lot of weight, it can be scary eating more to actually gain weight on purpose. Like what the fuck? Um, But here's the thing. So The first thing is, let's actually just talk about muscle in general. I think, not even just I think, the the muscle is what actually shapes out your body. It's what gives you that toned look. When you see people that are online, or not even just online, when you see people at the beach, or you see a picture of somebody, or maybe you see somebody out when you go to dinner, or, or walking outside in your neighborhood, and you're like, you think to yourself, wow, they're in really good shape. A lot of the times they have more muscle because muscle actually shapes out your body. If you have more leg muscle, you are going to have more toned and defined legs. If you have more glute muscle, you are going to have more 
toned and defined glutes. Same thing with shoulders. You're gonna have more toned and defined shoulders and arms since shoulders take up some of your arms. So first and foremost, realizing that when you actually build muscle, you are going to tone and, and shape out your body. Um, that, that's the first and foremost thing. Um, second thing is muscle boosts your metabolism. It allows you to burn more calories throughout the day. And that makes staying lean easier because now you're burning more calories. Okay. And you're also able to eat a little bit more while staying lean, right? It's like a perfect combination. Um, and also like when you start getting in the habit of going to the, going to the gym, strength training, building muscle, all of these things, you also start building the mindset, the habits, the discipline to do other things outside of the gym. So if you go to the gym and you strength train a few times a week, you're more likely to do things outside of the gym. You're more likely to go on walks. You're more likely to carry the bag of dog or cat food inside, carry the litter inside. You're more likely to move the piece of furniture. You're more likely to clean. You're more likely to carry the trash outside. You're more likely to um, pick up your kids. You're more likely to just be more active outside of the gym. There's like a correlation there. And that's something that somewhat is very underrated in terms of strength training because now not only do you have more muscle on your body but now you're also going to be able to move more throughout the gym or i should say move more throughout the day which means you're going to actually burn more calories throughout the day as well which helps obviously staying lean so that's another benefit of, of having muscle and going back to the point where adding muscle if you have somebody that weighs two people that weigh 150 pounds. The person that has 150 pounds and like 30% body fat versus the person that has 150 pounds and has 100, or I should say like 18, 15 to 18% body fat is going to look way different, right? And this is where body composition kind of comes into play. And, and something too that you'll notice is I, Michelle, one of my awesome, amazing, just beasting up clients, she's so... Like she's just an absolute savage. Um, just absolutely love Michelle. Um, on the call, she was talking about how she has actually she's she's up like I think I I don't know if she said like ten or fifteen, maybe even twenty pounds than she was when she thought she was at her leanest, and she looks even more leaner now, 10, 15, 20 pounds heavier because she actually put on more muscle. She wasn't like that skinny fat anymore. So the point here is what you the goal if you want to improve your body composition you need to build muscle that's a fact you have to build muscle if you want to improve your body composition if you don't care about that cool like no then you don't have to build muscle i mean muscle has a bunch of health benefits but if you don't care about improving your body composition how the way you look and all you care about is weight cool like yeah then just fucking um, just be in a calorie deficit and you'll be good to go or stay at maintenance if you're already at a good enough weight and you'll be good to go. But if you want to improve your body composition, your health, 
how you feel, how you look, you're going to have to build muscle. It's very, very important. Now, it's very hard to do, which means it's not something that can happen over one, two, three months. You have to look more at the long run. It's a process. It's going to take years to change and transform your body. So, which we actually have another question about this here, but it's very hard to recomp. It's very hard to build muscle and lose body fat at the same time. Um, is it impossible? No. I have a few clients who are just crushing this right now, but it's not easy. Um, and it takes a lot of patience and I'll, you have to really be dialed in for it to work. Like if we're usually aiming for that 80% consistency, if you want to do body recomp and, and focus on building muscle, losing body fat at the same time, like your nutrition and workouts are going to have to be more upwards of like the 90, 95% consistency because it requires that much more work to get to that point. Now, what is a great option for most people uh, is kind of like having different goals, right? So like, we're just going to talk right now about being in a calorie surplus since that's the best and most optimal way to build muscle. You're giving your body the tools it needs to build muscle because you have that extra energy. That extra energy has to go somewhere. And it can either go towards building body fat, or I should say building muscle, or it can go towards storing it as body fat. So you can kind of choose which one you um, want it to go towards, right? So yes, you purposefully, if you want to build muscle, are going to have to gain some weight, right? But keep in mind, this isn't like you're going into fuck it mode and you're eating pizza every night, a tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream every night. Uh, a cookie every time you pass it in the kitchen, um, going out for lunch with, with the friends and ordering five drinks and getting the, the big burger and the fries. It's like, no, like this is a controlled weight gain. You're doing this for the purpose of building lean muscle mass and not gaining too much body fat. So where a lot of people mess up, they think bulk and they're like, well, I can just eat whatever I want. I'm just going to gain as much weight as I want and I'll be good. It's like, no, the problem with that is your body only has so much like amount of muscle can build per month. And usually if you're a beginner for guys, it's like around like two to four pounds for women. It's half of that. So about a pound to two pounds per month. And then as you start to get more advanced, it goes down even more by like a half over time. But so as you can see, it's, it's, it's a pretty slow process. And you want to do this smartly so that you don't gain too much body fat. And that way, when you go to cut after your bulk, it's not hard to lose that body fat. So you you purposely go into a bulk, a very lean bulk, right? Like maybe like three to 500 calorie surplus, depending on like your goals, depending on your age, your weight, how active you are, uh, how much muscle you already have on your body. Um, and all that kind of stuff. You don't. I wouldn't go above 500 calories because you don't want to gain too much. Um, but you want to go into a small calorie surplus so that most of that energy goes towards building muscle and you don't gain as much body fat. Yes, you are going to gain some body fat, but most of it's going to go towards building muscle. And what you'll notice, and I have a bunch of clients who can fucking back me up on this, what you'll notice is 
even though the weight's trending up, you actually still look lean. My one uh, client, Brandy, I just she just sent me her progress photos from it was three months, three or four months uh, yesterday, and she is about six pounds up, and it is insane because she actually looks leaner than what she did six pounds ago. And she has put a tremendous amount of muscle on her body over the past four months. And it is crazy. It really is insane. Um, It's just crazy, like, what happens. Uh, So, yes, you do gain a little bit of body fat, but you still look lean. You get to eat more food, so it's more enjoyable. And then you actually almost start to come to realize, like, holy shit, I actually enjoy being in a surplus a lot of the time. And you look forward to it. Um, your workouts are going to be a lot better. Your stress is going to be a lot better. Your sleep's going to be a lot better. You're going to be in a better mood because you can have more food. Um, you're going to have more energy. Uh, you're going to have better recovery. There's just, a, you're going to have better hormone profile. Like there's so many benefits of being in a surplus, um, that again, like once you build that muscle, number one, you're already going to still look lean when you put on the weight, but then when you cut back down, once that muscle reveals itself, you're going to look even leaner than you did before, right? The goal is to cut back down if you can to the weight that you were before and look at the differences. And you should notice some big differences um, in, in terms of body composition. What, what most importantly, we'll just go by measurements here. Like if you started at 120 and you got up to 130, okay? But at 120, your waist measurement was, I don't know, I'm just throwing a number out there, like 23 inches. By the time you come back down to 120 again after a bulk, it should be below that 23 inches. You should be a little bit leaner because now you have less body fat and you have more muscle on your body, right? So a bulk isn't going to make you fat. A bulk isn't going to uh, make you the Incredible Hulk. Like if you want that toned booty if you want those toned arms if you want those toned legs you need to build muscle there's no way around it that's how you get toned okay again if you don't want that that's cool but if you do you have to focus on building muscle and again i personally um set out at the minimum four to six months in a surplus um, some clients after four months, they're like, dude, I'm just so ready to, uh, go back down. Some people are like, let's keep it going. It's going to depend on you, but at least I would say four to six months. So you can build a few pounds of muscle, um, and then cut back down eventually, um, to reveal that muscle and to kind of give you some numbers, like I would aim, like if you're a female somewhere between a quarter to half a pound per week um on the scale and again on average uh some weeks you won't even gain any weight some weeks you'll gain a little bit more weight um and then looking at your measurements i would look at maybe like a half an inch at most every two weeks um and then for males maybe like a half a pound to a pound per week um and then again maybe like a half an inch to at the very very most a full inch um every two weeks in terms of your measurements anything more than that you might have to cut your calories back a little bit and that's okay sometimes it takes some adjusting but another thing too right here this last thing i'll say because hopefully i got the point across that it is important to build muscle is um 
when you distribute or when you when you create your macros, you want your macro percentages. So obviously, we know protein is very important for building muscle. Um, that's going to stay the same. And you can actually kind of possibly even get away with a little bit less in a surplus since your body has extra um, resources from the extra food. So it's not going to break down muscle. Um, but protein, you know, around that one gram per pound of body weight. Um, and then you actually want like your fat a little bit lower. Um, because dietary fat is going to be much easier to store as body fat in a surplus than carbs are because dietary fat is already fat. So your body doesn't necessarily have to like do anything to, uh, make that, that dietary fat into body fat it's already like in its fat form it just has to like get digested get absorbed and boom get stored as body fat versus carbohydrates and protein it actually has to go through a few processes once it gets digested and gets absorbed just to turn into body fat which is a lot harder for your body to do and it actually burns a little bit of calories to do that so um you want to aim for again like one gram per pound of body weight around there uh, for protein. And then you want to aim for between 0.3 to 0.5 grams per pound of your body weight at the minimum, because fat is still important. We, we still need it for hormonal health, for health, um, but you don't want too much of it. So if I weigh 170 pounds, my minimum would be 170 times 0.3 would be 51 grams. 170 times 0.5 would be... Um, let me get my math out, would be 85 grams. So between like 51 and 85 grams per day would be like a good range to have. And um, then the rest, you just fill it with carbs. You just fill the rest with carbs and uh, you'll be on your way, good to go. And those carbs are gonna help you feel your workouts. It's gonna help with stress. It's gonna help with recovery. Um, they taste amazing. They're gonna fill your muscles up with glycogen, which is again, gonna give you energy, but then make your muscles look fuller. So you look even more toned. So all good stuff here. Um, See, this is why I said we got to hop right in because it's already 18 minutes in and we're still on the first question. So that's like building muscle and gaining weight. What should happen? And again, remember, it's controlled. What's the worst that can happen? You gain a little bit of weight. Cool. You know how to cut back down. You've done it before. You've been lean before. You've cut down before. So just something to remember there. Um, and it's a controlled weight gain. And um, yeah, that's that's what I have to say there. Okay, so number two, this this actually, um, again, is from one of my clients, Alicia, she just crushes it. Um, she's the perfect example of like body recomp. Um, she asked about essentially like body recomposition, like um, she's enjoying her journey. How long can someone stay in recomp? You know, meaning if my goal in life is to continue to build muscle and lose fat, even at a slow rate, is it still effective to stay in recomp for years? And this is a great question. Um, so I think uh, an important point that she said right here is even at a slow rate, because remember how I said, when you're in recomp and you're focusing on both goals at once, like your body is basically competing with two separate goals. So you have to be really, really dialed in to do so, but it's also going to be, um, a little bit more slower progress because your body, instead of focusing on one goal which is, you know, maybe building muscle versus uh, losing body fat. Now it has to focus on 
both at the same time. So it's not going to be able to like put its resources into both of those at once and get the best results. It's like, okay, maybe half of it. So um, just to put some numbers on it, like if you were able to lose like a pound a week on just focusing on a fat loss phase, maybe on a recon phase, you can only lose maybe like a quarter to half a pound a week. Maybe if you were to build two pounds of muscle a month um, in a surplus, maybe you, you will only build maybe like a half a pound or a pound of muscle a month now, but you're doing both at once. So again, like I have a few clients who just absolutely dominate this. So you, again, I think just having proper expectations that number one, it's going to take some time because you're doing two things at once. So the patience factor, like when I'm talking about patience, I'm talking about like a year in advance, not like three months, not like four months, five months, six months, like a year in advance. Um, and th- just realizing that it is going to be a little bit slower progress, but if you continue with it uh, month after month, week after week, like eventually you will get to that point, like take it day by day, week by week, and then you will get to that end point eventually. Um, that's the first thing I'll say there. Um, now, eventually, once you get a little bit more advanced in your training, so Alicia is, um, I think we're like five or six months into coaching. Again, just she's just crushing it. Um, when you're in a newbie like stage, um, body recomposition is a little bit more possible. It's a little bit easier. Maybe not easier, but like it, 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 it's more likely to happen. Once you get more into like that intermediate slash advanced stage, it might be a good option to start looking into separate phases because your body is going to need more of a stimulus or signal to build muscle right um because we know like your body is very hypersensitive at the beginning like it's very easy to build muscle at the beginning and then as you gain more and more experience it becomes increasingly harder so if eventually if you want to continue to build muscle it might be a good idea down the road whether it's like a year or two years in your training journey to maybe go into a surplus um for six months and then go into a cutting phase and then stay at maintenance for a little bit, which is almost like recomp, um, and then kind of continue that process in the future. Just again, so you can like get results quicker, but then also get results because that might be like what your body needs at that time. Um, So with that too, like recomp um, can be done a few ways. You could have like a few days you could, you could eat the same amount of calories at like around maintenance um, or at a very, very, very slight deficit every single day, right? You can do it to where you do it weekly. Maybe you're at maintenance. Maybe you're at, in like a slight surplus, a very small surplus for three weeks, and then you're in a deficit for a week. You could do it where you are in a uh, surplus for like three or four days out of the week, and then you're in a deficit for um, three or four days out of the week. You could do months. You could do, okay, I'm going to be in a surplus for the next three months. I'm going to be in a deficit for the next three months. 
There are different ways to do this. There's no right or wrong way. You can play with a little bit, but I would stick to the same way and, and for a little bit, for a few months at least, see if it works before adjusting it up. But there's really no right or wrong way to do this. There's a few ways you could you could really go about it. And it's really up to you, like what fits best with your lifestyle and what you will enjoy the most. But there's a few ways to do the, the recomp. Again, it's harder. Uh, it takes a lot more time. But it's definitely possible. I've seen it with too many people. And I know like the research behind it. There's some conflicting research on it. Um, but it's definitely possible. I, I've seen the evidence from my clients and um, they'll, they'll tell you the same thing. Um, but typically like recomping and, and being in a deficit for the majority of people when things happen a little bit more quickly is if you're a a new lifter to strength training, uh, B, coming back from an injury and you've already had some muscle before, uh, so muscle memory, and C, if you do have a lot of weight to lose, your body has some extra energy on it to help put towards building muscle. Um, but generally speaking, um, everything I said there, few things to think about, so that's what I have to say, and that was a great question. Uh, the next question is another great one. It's basically asking, um, I don't, honestly, I don't know who asked this, but it's a great question. Um, in a calorie deficit, when would you recommend transitioning from calorie tracking to not tracking? Um, like, how do you know when you're ready? Um, the, to answer that question is the first part. Uh, I would say once you reach your goal, body weight, or maybe you set a body weight and you're 10 pounds heavier or 20 pounds heavier but you're like satisfied where you're at right now and you're like oh shit like it's not worth it to me to lose that extra five to ten pounds or wow i didn't realize i would look or feel this way at this weight and i want to stay here then that would be the time to probably start thinking about transitioning out of calorie tracking could you do it earlier than that absolutely but you have to remember if you want to be as accurate as possible and you want to get the best results as quickly as possible tracking your calories is going to be the best way to do that um can you do it without tracking calories? Yes, but it's going to be a lot harder because there's a lot more variables in it. You don't have an objective uh, look at to like how much calories you're putting in your body. So something to keep in mind. So that's what I would say would be maybe like um, a good time to transition from calorie tracking. Um, what's the best way to transition from calorie tracking to not tracking? Uh, again, these are this is a fucking great question. So historically um what i have done for myself and um a few clients who've done this is you could do it one of two ways you could take it the slow route which is for most people the best way to go to le let you learn how to live your day-to-day -day life without having to rely on tracking calories and you you learn how to like eat more intuitively, quote unquote, uh, while still making progress, or you could just quit cold turkey and 
for some people that works, but in my experience, it could lead to um, it could lead to some going off track, some overeating, um, and then just down a dark, deep hole, which you don't want to go down. So again, it really is. It just depends on you and like what your personality is. Like, are you the type of person that works a little bit better with a little bit more structure? Or are you the person that's like, fuck it. I hate waiting. I just want to quit cold turkey and get it. And I'm actually the latter. Like I would rather just quit cold turkey rather than like slowly get out of it. But again, like for me, that works. And I know I have the personality where like I can do it. I can stay on track and I can uh, get it done. I know for a lot of people that might not work and slowly weaning off of calorie tracking might be the best way to go. Um, So the way I like to do it is pick one or two days where you don't track your calories to start off with that. So if you track every day right now, pick like one or two days during the week, preferably right now to start off, do maybe like a weekday, um, maybe like a Monday and a Tuesday, or maybe like just a Monday or a Wednesday or whatever the case may be. Pick a day, don't track for that day, but you're still tracking the other six days. However, here's the key. This isn't a justification to just go into fucking mode. Don't forget, your structure is uh, important. Like that is going to be the foundation of you sustaining these healthy habits over time. And, And I didn't make this point when I talked about the calorie surplus, and this is a very important point. Nothing really changes from your diet other than necessarily like how much you're eating. And, and there's going to be some things here and there that change. Like maybe you add in a new protein or maybe you add in a new snack or maybe you switch the sauces or maybe you eat a new carb source or maybe you're adding in some fat or taking out some fat. That's basically it. The structure in your own meal plan stays the same because that is what's going to set you up for success. Like the most successful dieters are the ones that basically like eat relatively the same template for them that they created themselves each week. And that's going to be different for um, everybody, right? And you know this, like this is why planning your meals out is so important and finding staple meals for yourself is so important because you do have to have some structure. If you don't have any structure, you're fucking up and you're not going to you're not going to succeed. I every client I have that succeeds has some structure. They eat the same meals every single week. Now, they also have a little bit of flexibility in there. Again, whether it's like maybe this week um I'm eating chicken or maybe this week I'm eating steak or 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 ground beef, whatever the case may be. Or maybe Monday I'm eating this, Tuesday I eat this, Wednesday I eat this, Thursday we go out to eat. Whatever it is, having structure is going to allow you to stay on track better. And it just builds, it keeps you in that routine. If we're in a routine, we're more likely to succeed and follow through with our diet. And again, it doesn't have to be boring. I mean, it, it, it might be a little bit boring, but that's okay. Like it's whatever you enjoy, okay? So, you know, and some people, like I said, they like to go out on Saturday night and have some dinner. Like it's whatever fits into your goal. Now, whether you're going into, and I'm going to tie this back into um, intuitive eating here and, and not tracking, but whether um, 
you're going from like a calorie deficit to maintenance to a surplus, you're not really changing your meals. Like it still stays the same. You might just be changing the portion sizes of those meals, or maybe you add in something else. So for example, if I'm in a deficit, I might eat 100 grams of chicken and like 28 grams of rice with some broccoli. But if I'm in a surplus, I'm bumping that up to maybe like, uh, I don't know, 50, 55 grams of, of rice, maybe uh, 150 grams of chicken. And I might take out the broccoli and add in like some sauce on that that has some calories in it to help me hit my calories. Notice how I wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to take out the chicken, broccoli, and rice, and I'm just going to fucking eat pizza. It's like, no, like the, the things that change are like how much you're eating. Or maybe if I'm in a surplus and I'm having some trouble hitting my calories, maybe I do eat like a Pop-Tart at night. Or maybe I do eat some cereal at night. But if I'm going to cut down and go back to maintenance or in a deficit, I'm taking that Pop-Tart and cereal out. Or if I have two Pop-Tarts, maybe I'll just eat one to go into maintenance. But if I'm going into deficit, I got to make some sacrifices. So maybe I eat none, right? Um, maybe if, if you are in at maintenance, right, and you are eating two cookies now, maybe you cut one cookie out. So look what I did here. Like nothing's really changing. Like, yes, there's going to be some small variables just for some variation and for some sustainability here and there. And that's perfectly, that's what flexible dieting is all about. But the, the, the bones, the foundation stays exactly the same. So when you are not tracking your calories, this applies, you're going to be eating the same thing. So you already know, all right, Hey, I eat, um, an omelet, and some toast for breakfast. Uh, for lunch, I eat a big ass salad. Uh, for a snack, I eat some Greek yogurt and berries. And then for dinner, I eat um, a steak, uh, maybe a sweet potato and some asparagus. Well, you would still eat that on the day that you don't track, but you're learning like, oh, okay, hey, like I can do this and I'm already built up to knowledge to know like, okay, hey, like I'm on track this day, right? And then over time, you start taking out another day and then another day. And then maybe towards the end, you start taking out a weekend because we know weekends are very troublesome for a lot of you um, because we're out of our routine. So you take in, you start taking out a weekend and you start trying to stay on track during the weekend, but nothing changes. You, you basically do the same things you were doing when you were tracking. Now you're just not tracking it. That's the only difference. And you're going to learn over time, like just how you learn to make adjustments when you tracked, you're going to learn how to make adjustments when you're not tracking. And this is what it's all about. This is what, how it becomes part of your life. But that's also why tracking your calories is so important because you have to learn the skills and the habits and what different foods contain, how many calories different foods contain, how much protein different foods contain, what a proper portion size is so that eventually you know, okay, when I do this on my own, I already have the knowledge. Like I already know how to stay on track. Like for me, I haven't fucking tracked calories in like three years because I fucking hate it. I did it for so fucking long. Like I already have a great knowledge of track calories. Like I know right now, I just tracked calories two weeks ago with my uh, client Rita. Shout out to Rita, absolute savage. Um, we had a little challenge together where we tracked our calories, but 
other than that, I haven't tracked at all um, because I fucking hate it. I hate it. But hey, like I was willing to do it with Rita to help her out. Um, and because I'm a team with my clients, I like to say that like me and my clients are a team and I'm going to do what I need to do to freaking help them get to where they need to be. If that means tracking calories, that means getting steps, hopping on a phone call. It is what it is. I'm going to do what I need to do. But anyways, um, I kind of lost my train of thought here. So I hate tracking calories, but I built up, I earned the right to not track because I have the education to know all right, well, I ate barely anything for like for lunch and, and breakfast. So, you know, this pizza isn't going to affect me if I'm trying to lose weight. Or, you know, hey, I'm at maintenance right now. I don't really give a fuck. I'm just going to eat this, this, and this. Or, okay, hey, I'm eating a big dinner at night. All right, well, I'm going to eat um, a pretty lean and not as high calorie uh, breakfast. Try to get in some fruit here and there. Maybe eat a salad for lunch so that I have more room for dinner. This is how you learn, and this t- it takes practice, repetition to learn this. So that's my that's my suggestion. So to kind of recap, I would um, once you reach your goal, start with one day, progress over time to two, to three, four, do a weekend, and eventually you're going to be tracking on no days. Okay, um, number four. Uh, basically, it was a question on supersets. Uh, can I superset on occasion if short on time? So supersets are great for this reason. Um, There can be a little bit of a cardio benefit as well, but most importantly, supersets are great for um, saving a little bit of time in your workouts. And a superset is basically just two exercises back to back without any rest. So if you have in your program a dumbbell chest press with a one arm dumbbell row, or I should say two separate exercises, like, Exercise one, dumbbell bench press, you do three sets of 10 on that, and then you move on to exercise two, one arm dumbbell row, three sets of 10 per arm, uh, and, and that's your first two exercises. If you wanted to save some time, rather than doing exercise one, doing a set, resting, doing a set, resting, doing a set, resting, then moving on to exercise two, doing a set, resting, doing a set, resting, etc., um, you can actually combine those into a super set. So what you would do would be rather than doing them separately, I would do a dumbbell chest press, move right into a one arm dumbbell row, then rest my whatever it is, two minutes. Then I would again, go right back to the dumbbell chest press, right in to the one arm dumbbell row, rest two minutes, et cetera. And that'll save you a lot of time. Um, so supersets are definitely great. The only time I wouldn't superset something um, is if it's kind of like the two of the same type of movements. So these are called like antagonist supersets, essentially doing two opposite movements. So like a pushing, a pulling, a squat, and a, and a deadlift because a squat's more of like a lower body push. A deadlift's more like a lower body pull. Um, that's when I wouldn't do it. So for example, like I wouldn't do a barbell bench press supersetted with like a overhead press right i wouldn't do a barbell back squat superseted with a bulgarian split squat or like a leg press or um another type of squat i wouldn't do a uh deadlift with a rdl afterwards like i would do a squat with an rdl i would do a deadlift with maybe like a bulgarian split squat even though that would be fucking brutal um i would do a bench press with like a row 
I would do a overhead press with like a chin up or a row, but I wouldn't do like two of the same movements together. That's important because you're just going to overly fatigue yourself, um, overly, overly fatigue your muscles, overly fatigue your joints, possibly, possibly get hurt. And you just don't need it. So I would do two opposing muscle groups, so two opposing actions um, for supersets. And um, there was something else I wanted to say. And fuck, of course, I'm going to forget it. Um, that's what I would say for supersets, save, save on some time. Uh, also, something that you could do if you're short on time is manipulate your rest times a little bit, right? What I've, I've, I've noticed that, so there's an optimal rest time if your goal is to build muscle. So let's kind of like break this down a little bit. Uh, typically, the heavier you lift, the more rest you're going to need, okay? So if like you're focusing on pure strength, like your big movements, like your barbell back squat, your uh, barbell deadlift, your your barbell bench press, barbell overhead press, chin up. Um, you could even you could even throw like some Bulgarian split squats in there. Technically, if you're going super heavy, like a barbell Bulgarian split squat, um, you know something like that. Uh, typically, you want to rest like three to five minutes because it's very central. Uh, it's very neurologically driven. So like your central nervous system needs time to kind of like revamp back up. It's almost like, um, yeah, you guys probably don't do that. So I was trying to think of like an analogy. So it's like. It's almost like um, like a battery, right? Think about it like a, your phone battery. Like you use it all day, you have to charge it back up on at night. So think about your central nervous system like that. It's like okay, like you drain the battery, so you have to use that three five minutes to charge it back up, so you can lift your next set. Um, when you're lifting more hypertrophy focused, so like in that six to twelve, really like um, it's really like one to thirty reps, but like typically like for the optimal range, like six to twelve rep range. Um, like two minutes is like sufficient so that you can, uh, rest, recover, uh, hit it hard the next set so that again, you can create that mechanical tension to build muscle, uh, which is you're sending your body that muscle building signal. Um, two minutes is like typically great, but you know, then we have like an endurance, which could be like 30 to 90 seconds, like muscular endurance, like how, how long your muscles can go before fatiguing, um, and getting too tired. So manipulating rest periods can be great and it actually could be a form of like progressive overload because you're giving your body something different like you're you're giving your body like a novel stimulus but honestly like depending on the muscle group certain muscles require less time to recover so if you're doing like a three to five minute rest for your big movement and then maybe like your second movement it's still going to be pretty big but it's not as taxing as like the first movement you might only need like two minutes but then like stuff like your isolation exercises like, honestly, you can do like 60 to 90 seconds. Like your muscles are going to recover a lot quicker, especially if you're doing more like higher rep movements, like 12 to 15 or 15 to 20. Like you don't need as much rest on those. Um, and you could too, like another thing you can do if your main goal is to build muscle, then honestly, you probably don't want to do this. You probably do want to, uh, rest two minutes like if you're in a calorie surplus and your main goal is to build as much muscle as possible then you probably don't want to do this you definitely want to rest the two full minutes so you can push as hard as you can but if you don't really care too much about that and you still want to build muscle but get leaner but be more fit still have some good stamina you could just knock down that rest time from like a minute 20 to 90 seconds and just lift a little bit less weight or drop the weight each set because you're going to be a little more fatigued 
and you can rep it out. And that, again, that's a form of progressive overload too. Doing more, doing like the same weight with less rest time. So like every week, now that you're doing uh, 90 second rest, maybe instead of trying to increase to every week, you try to get that same weight for all three sets. So maybe week one, set one, you do 50 pounds, but you're too fatigued to do 50 pounds again, set two. So you go down to 40 pounds and then set three, you go down to 30 pounds. Maybe over that month, you try getting 50 pounds each set uh, with that 90 second rest. And then, uh, so so that's a great way to kind of work on like muscular endurance as well, but also build some muscle. So there's a few things that you can manipulate. Like there's so many variables you can manipulate in a strength training session, but rest time is actually another great one. Like if you pair a little bit shorter rest times with some supersets, like that's a great way to cut down on your workout times um, and make it like maybe like that around that 45 minute time mark, um, possibly even lower. But I wouldn't go too low. Like I don't, you don't need to be fucking like doing things back to back. You, you don't need to be resting like 30 seconds. Like I would say at the very, very, very minimum, rest 60 seconds in between a set um but you can play around with that um again the heavier you lift you are gonna have to rest a little bit longer but it would it's gonna depend on your goals and if you don't care too much about getting super jacked and, and building a bunch of muscle and you want to kind of speed up your workouts there's nothing wrong with uh manipulating your rest times as well so sorry i kind of went off on a tangent there um Okay, so the next question is, what is the reasoning science behind four sets versus three sets? So let me first off by the bat say like, there's no like, um, nothing special about like four sets, three sets, two sets, one set. It's just a smaller piece to the puzzle. Um, You might see some people program five sets for a big lift. You might see some people program uh, six sets, right? German volume training is 10 by 10, which is just fucking brutal. Um, so really what it is, it's just a smaller piece of the puzzle to accumulate or account for uh, the total volume in the week. So we know through research that the optimal range to build muscle in terms of how many sets per muscle group per week is about 10 to 20 sets. Now, that's going to vary. Is there people that can build muscle below 10 to 20 sets? Yes. Is there people that build muscle above 20 sets? Yes. But for the majority of people in that 10 to 20 set rep or, or uh, sets per muscle group per week is going to be that range. So that being said, manipulating volume is a great way to add in more sets, to progress, to give your body more, to build more muscle. Okay. So maybe you start off with, I don't know, eight sets per muscle group each day. Or, or sorry, eight sets per muscle group each week. Okay, well, maybe uh, that's like, I don't know. Maybe that's like two sets um, on, on each body part day, right? So if you have upper lower, maybe you have like, or maybe it's like, I don't know, three sets per body part each day. So maybe it's like, okay, well, I want to do more for this party, body part. So you can either add in another exercise to add in sets. So maybe you add another exercise. Like if you're trying to work back, maybe you have one back workout, or exercise per day um, for two days, that would be six sets if you have three sets per the exercise. So maybe instead of adding a, another set to the exercise, maybe you add another exercise. So that's an extra three sets. So now you're at uh, six sets per muscle group per day. Um, so if you're doing that two times per week, that would be 12 sets per muscle group. Okay, so you stay there for a while. Okay, well now you're starting to get a little more advanced. Now you're gonna need a little more volume to uh, help build that back even more. So rather than maybe adding in another 
back exercise right now, what if you just add in another set to that first must to that first exercise? So maybe exercise one on back on day one, you do four sets, but you still do the three sets on exercise two. And then on day two for your upper body, maybe you again, add another set there for four sets, and then you stay with three sets on the second exercise. So now you're at 14 sets for the week, right? Um, versus 12 sets, you stay there for a while. And then maybe eventually you add in a four set to that second back exercise. It's a, man, we can make a whole podcast on this, um, but it's just a way to manipulate volume. But event, but when you're manipulating volume, you don't wanna just like do as much as possible. Like you wanna only do as much as you need. Um, because if you shoot the gun too quick, you can end up overtraining and just fucking up, like ruining like your, your progress. You wanna take it slow by slow. You don't wanna have to, you don't wanna overdo it. Right, you want to do as little as possible so that you have room to grow at the um, kind of moving along your journey. So, um, you know, maybe start towards like that ten uh, sets per muscle group per week, which might look like you know five sets per workout. Okay, so if you're doing like an upper lower split, that would mean if like we'll take the back example for uh, first, that would mean five sets for your back upper day one, five sets for your back, upper day two, which five plus five equals 10. I suck at math, but I can, I can do that. Um, and then over time, you kind of slowly start adding in sets. And again, that can be with another exercise. That can be another day. Maybe you have like a back specialization day. That would be more so like when you're advanced um, and you need more volume um, or you add in more sets. Uh, for that day for that back, but you don't want to do everything at once. So like you don't want to add in back sets. You don't want to add in leg sets. You don't want to add in arms, shoulders. That's going to be way too much for your body to recover from. So at first I would recommend, again, maybe building up to where like, if you can, each muscle group is at least at that 10 sets per muscle group per week so that you you have sufficient volume. Um, but then from there, taking one muscle group at a time. So like back or chest or shoulders or arms. Um, well, with arms, it's a small muscle group, but just to keep it simple, um, maybe like quads or glutes, take it one muscle at a time. If you're still recovering well and you're still feeling good and you have back at like 18 sets per week and you're still feeling good, cool. Maybe it's like, well, hey, let me try building my chest up a little bit too. Or let me try building my glutes up. Well, I'm gonna add in some more glute sets and then keep going up. And this is some this is very important, like, and this is something we do in coaching. Like we keep track of biofeedback because you have to be able to recover in order to make results. And if you're getting shitty sleep, if you're stressed, if you don't have any energy, if your libido's down, like you're not recovering. So you're either not eating enough or you're just doing too much for your body to recover from. So it's basically just a little um a little uh thing to uh, manipulate the amount of volume that you're going in. So that was kind of very sciencey, um, kind of deep into the weeds a little bit, which again, this could be like a whole other podcast on it. But um, hey, that's why you need to follow a uh, legit strength training program so that you can have somebody like a coach doing it because there's a lot that goes into it. Um, okay, last question. This is a good one. Very common one too. And I, I think I've talked about this in the podcast before. Um, some days I feel really sore after workout and some days I don't. Does that mean it wasn't a good workout? No. Uh, so, you know, I used to think this back in the day 
And um, this was a problem I had with a lot of clients when I first started training in person. Um, a lot of them would be like, oh, well, I'm not sore or, or whatever the case may be. Or they would come in and be like, wow, I'm really sore. Um, soreness is not a good indicator of whether a workout or program is successful or not. Now, that's not to say soreness is bad. You should at least feel a little bit soreness, right? Just just in the muscles that you're working a little bit so that you know, okay, hey, I'm actually working this muscle. If you're never sore, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. So you need to lift weight, heavier weight, okay? That's just a fact. If you're always sore, no pain, no gain. Well, if you were like me back in college when I used to park in this parking garage and uh, take the stairs. It was in the, the basement of this parking garage. And the stairs were like three levels. It was, you'd go up, make a turn, go up again, make another turn, go up again until you reach the main floor of the classrooms. Every time after leg day, it would take me, like, I would have people passing me up. It was the most painful thing ever. Every time I'd walk up these stairs, like, I felt all of the muscle fibers in my glutes, in my quads, in my calves. It was terrible. And back then, I actually thought that was awesome. But looking back, it's like, okay, I was definitely doing way too much because I felt like that after every single leg day. So if you're the person that feels sore, like extremely sore after every single day, you can't even get out of bed, you feel like shit, you're definitely doing too much. You got to cut it back. But there should be a little bit of soreness. So, um, that's the balance that you and sometimes you have to do a little bit too much to realize like okay I over I over pushed it to really know what that is um like today like I'm, I'm I'm feeling it feeling a little bit sore but it's like a good sore right I'm not like in pain um so that's what I would say there now this is the importance and I just made a Instagram post about this this is the importance of keeping track of your workouts and following a legit strength training program because you can objectively see, are you making progress? Are you getting stronger? Have you lifted more weight over the month? Have you increased your reps over the month? Taking videos of your form, has your form improved? Has your range of motion improved? Has your control improved? Are you are you able to control the weight a little bit more during the eccentric? Maybe week one, you were really shaky on a bench press. Week four, you look very smooth. There's a million ways that you can objectively keep track of progress, which is why it is so important to keep track of your progress week to week and follow a program for at least four to eight weeks because of this point. That's how your body progresses versus going off of something that you don't always have control over, which is soreness. Maybe you weren't hydrated that day, or maybe you drank a little bit more that day, or maybe you just didn't eat enough that day. So you're a little bit sore or you're not sore and you weren't able to push as hard. Like there's a lot of stuff that's not in your control, but what is in your control is Hey, I fucking lifted since week one, I've increased my weight 20 pounds. So I definitely got stronger since week one. I was only able to quarter squat. Now I'm squatting to full depth over the past two months. So keep track of this shit. Uh, definitely write it down, have a spreadsheet or take some notes, bring a notebook, keep it notes on your phone, whatever it may be. Follow a program for Again, four to eight weeks, do the same shit four to eight weeks because that's how you progress. You have to get better at these movements and then you can swap them out after that. Um, but when you actually don't make the mistake of like doing new shit every week and, and never challenging yourself because it can be easy to, number one, forget what you did the previous week and you just do, end up doing the same weight every week or maybe even less weight. But um, two, like 
if you're constantly doing new shit every week, your body's always guessing. Like it's never getting good at something, right? Yeah, you might make a little bit of progress at the beginning because it's still novel, but like you're never gonna get amazing results that way. You're never gonna build a lot of strength. You're never gonna build a lot of muscle. You have to give your body a reason to grow. Like if you start, if you do squats week one and you do like, like borrow back, back squats week one and then maybe week two you do like a leg press and then week three maybe you do like a goblet squat like yeah at the beginning you are going to make some progress because you're still like strength training but your body is never going to be able to adapt to its potential because like you're always giving it something new right like a new stimulus like your body's like oh well we're holding the weight this way this week um so we have to get better at this and then next week you're sitting in a leg press so now like you have more stability and you're just put driving with your legs your body's like oh shit we have to work on these muscles and then week three you're doing a fucking barbell back squat and your body's like oh fuck we have a bar on our back we have to use all our core and our back and our legs to drive this weight up and then it's like oh okay well next week we're going back to leg press and it's like well what the fuck's going on so follow the same movements uh progressive overload keep track of your shit and, and you'll be good to go so um there's a few more questions, but this podcast is already almost hour long. Don't want to keep you too long. Maybe I'll make another one on the other questions, but thank you for listening. I think this was a great episode. So um, let me know if you like this Q&A type of episode uh, because I actually enjoyed recording this. Um, if you do like it, leave me some questions on my Instagram or email me um, because, yeah, this was pretty fun. And uh, please leave a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. If uh, you know anybody that might find this episode helpful, please share it. Um, If you're interested for one-on-one coaching or you just want to chat or you have any questions, hey, I'm going to leave the information down below in the bio. And um, until then, we'll talk next time.